0: The Scripture lesson today comes from the final book of the entire Bible, the Book of Revelation. I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. And then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. I am not an aficionado of numbers, a.k.a. mathematics, I prefer words, and I prefer art. Sprinkle in a little science, and I am good. So I'm grateful for the talents of Jonathan Larson. He was a playwright, composer. He reminds us that there are 525,600 minutes in a year's time that's a lot of minutes since we've last gathered for All Saints Sunday and if you're familiar with his musical smash called Rent then you know exactly where I'm going with this how does one measure a year in the life in daylights and sunsets midnights and cups of coffee. Are you singing it with me now? In inches and miles and laughter and strife, in 525,600 minutes. How do you measure a year in the life? You measure it in what, friends? In love. That's right. Well, the 525,600 minutes of 2020 are longer minutes than any other year that I can recall. 2020 is loitering, and I'm sure that there are some local and state laws against that. But in this past year, 47 members of this congregation have transferred their membership from First United Methodist Church to the eternal multitude of heavenly hosts about which we just read from Revelation. God's multitude of saints. When a child is born, we call her name. At baptism, we have a portion of the service, not to be confused with baptism, but it's called christening. You've heard of christening? That means Christ naming. And we call the first and the middle name of of that person and put water as a way of saying, you are known, you are known to God by name. Upon receiving a third grade Bible, confirmation, graduation, marriage, hospitalization, welcoming in new members, or any hallmark moment dispersed therein. We call the names aloud of God's people. It's what we do. And at death, we call one's name once more to signify to all the world and for all of eternity that that person is a child of God and is returning to God's own heart to God's own breath from which he or she came at creation. Today, on All Saints Day, All Saints Sunday, we called 47 names, 47 members who have transferred in the past 525,600 minutes. It's not lost on me that every single one of us here have brought with us more than just these 47 names. Some of you have in mind friends and siblings and neighbors, colleagues who are called by another church, who are not members of this church, but who also belong now to God. We measure every year in the life. By honoring God's named saints who have lived among us but who have returned home. In the church, we mark time, we mark our actual week by worship. Today is not the end of the week, today is the day of resurrection, a little Easter. Today is the first day of the week. And I don't know if you realize it, but God has already anticipated your arrival here today. You see, when people gather for worship, arriving here, arriving with us virtually from whatever the other 167 hours of the week has put us through, we, we arrive with anticipation that God is already here. I suspect that many of you, you arrived here not knowing quite how to feel. Some of you have not been in this space since March. And here it is your first time back in worship, and it's All Saints Sunday. I hear that as your pastor. That's a lot. Some of us didn't know what to feel when we arrived. Some of you might not have felt or feel anything at all. Others of you may be angry. It's been an unfair year. We're angry at God, angry at cancer, angry at coronavirus. I get that. We're all hungering thirsting for answers as to why a loved one died far too soon. We're all wondering why our loved one, our friend, our sibling, had to spend her or his final hours alone. But God is here. God was here in this moment before we ever arrived, God will satisfy our hunger. God will quench our thirst. God will give us shelter from these storms of grief. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Did you know that each time one of these candles up here dances with the slightest flicker of a breeze, that it reminds us how freely the Spirit moves among us But it also reminds us that there's 47 saints who are gathered here with us in worship. It also reminds us that there's no degree of depth. There's no shadow so dark. There's no valley so deep that the light of one candle cannot overcome it. So 47 are lit today as a protest death does not get the final word. The worst things are not the last things. We always have hope. There's 47 saints who are flickering in their dance before Christ this very moment, and for them there is no more darkness. Well, unlike the opinions of popular writers, I, I dare say theologians, The book of Revelation is not a book of gloom and doom and destruction and violence. It's one of worship. It's a book of worship, and it's a book of hope. I've been thinking about the era in which John, the writer of Revelation, received his vision, and I think about the persecution that Christians faced from Imperial Rome, from Caesar. You see, Christians said, Jesus Christ is Lord, not Caesar. And that costs them their life. In fact, this is a fun tip, if you look at our icons of our saints up here, some of them have keys and books, and some of them are holding what appear to be weapons of mass destruction. They're not violent people. That's the way they died. They were martyred for their beliefs in the first century. I think every group of Christian throughout the ages has endured some version of their own great ordeal, albeit the suffering in the first century, the suffering of 2020. But the great ordeals that we face in this life are not the final story. Revelation grants us that. Because standing before the throne of Christ are the saints, and they now are spotless and fully alive with Christ, there is no more pain where they are. There is no more sorrow. There is no more disease. There's no more suffering. They're standing there holding palm branches We have palm branches today for that reason. And they're from every nation, every tribe, every language is represented. So many that they cannot even be counted. And all who stand before Christ are engaged in one singular liturgical act. It's powerful, Dr. C. They're singing. Saints sing. Now, in this life, they might not be able to carry a tune in a bucket, but with Christ, they sing. We could learn a thing or two from the saints about singing together, because no matter what else is going on in a period of 525,600 minutes, Believers always have a song in their hearts, day or night, calm or chaos, desert or oasis, prison or free, in a storm or beside those still waters. Believers sing, salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb. It does not come, salvation does not come from an empire Or a ruler, or idols we create for ourselves. It does not even come from ourselves. Salvation belongs to God and to a Lamb. The Agnus Dei, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, reigns victorious. We've just finished a series on Psalm 23, and we said the Lord is our shepherd. But what we learned from Revelation the Lord is also our lamb. Both. Saints sing that song. Theologian Bob Dylan says, Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. I think that's a great way to think about the church of Christ. That's a saintly song we could sing. Despite differences, saints sing. Through tears, saints sing. Distanced from normalcy, saints sing. And that depth of faith means that there is no degree, no measure of evil or war or illnesses, or viruses, or elections, or hurricanes, or injustices, or poverty, or fear of others, even death itself that can keep God's people from singing. Hmm. At 9.46 a.m., Thursday morning, I believe it was, I don't really have a concept of time these days, Something bizarre yet so beautiful happened. The, the hurricane, Zeta, had just blown through, and we began at 9:46 a.m. receiving calls from our neighbors saying, "There's a loud crash. It sounds like it's at the church. It might be in the park." Well, several of us had met up here uh, shortly after daybreak to assess the campus. We did a walk around. Everything was in good working order, minus the power but no damage otherwise. Well, but at 9.46 a.m., in our south parking lot, there were two trees that were no longer standing. My guess is that these two trees had lived side by side, sharing the same plot of ground, I don't know, about 75 years or more. They they were so different depending on how you looked at them, one stood on the left side of things and one it stood on the right side of of things. One reached high up into the sky. It was quite uh, uniform and cylindrical, really slim and, and nice looking, and it dropped cones to help regenerate itself. And the other, it was a little more robust and it reached out and it dropped acorns for the squirrels and to help regenerate itself. One was a stalwart loblolly pine. The other was a very stately red oak tree. They were so different, this pine and this red oak, in every possible way. But at 9.46 a.m., we learned something. We learned that all these years, they've been living as neighbors together, they shared the same soil. They shared the same root system. They were all caught up and intertwined with one another below the soil. They learned how to share resources like groundwater and nutrients. I, I can't imagine the type of storms they had weathered together. Can you? They figured out how to work alongside one another, even though they were so different. And when they fell, they fell together because the root system of one uprooted the root system of the other. Well, we learned exactly how dependent they were upon one another, more than we could have ever imagined. They lived together and they died together. But in the end, they were no longer a pine tree and an oak tree. They were just trees that we discovered had more in common below the surface than we ever thought. I wonder if the saints and these trees teach us a common lesson that we could focus on our differences. And our differences do need to be celebrated. But what if we also found and pursued and discovered how intertwined we actually are, too. What if we began singing that song? I just wonder, friends, if that's the reason that that John's vision includes that detail that every nation, every tribe, every single person from around the world was there. Despite all their differences that existed here, they were caught up in the great chorus of heaven singing about salvation together. The saints will not cease to sing a, psalm, a common song about equality and hope, nor should we. Over the past year, in the hours, and the weeks, and the months following the loss of your loved one, words have fallen short, have they not? We've sat together in silence on the phone sometimes, sometimes distance from one another, but we've, we've sat together in silence trying to make sense of death. But there's a bit of good news that with our saints there is no silence. They've heard the good news and they sing with courage now. This multitude of saints who were so different from one another in this world, they now sing together around the same throne. And I think that the voices and the music, the chorus of the saints, God keeps alive because I think the music that the saints make is what we call hope. I don't know how theologically accurate that is, but I like it, so I'm going to go with it. That the music of the saints... It's what we call hope, and it just spills over into this world. And we have courage to keep getting up each morning, to keep putting one foot in front of the other, and to continue to hope. Because as long as the saints sing that death is not final, we who feebly struggle in this world will always have hope. In just a moment, we are going to sing a magnificent hymn. The words might not be too familiar to you. It's called, Sing with all the saints in glory. Sing the resurrection song. You'll know the tune, though, Ode to Joy. But what I don't want us to miss between now and the time that we sing together and sing with the saints is something we profess every single week in the creed. I believe in the communion of saints. Because when we gather here at this table, we're we're mirroring the feast that's happening in heaven. And when we sing these liturgical responses in just a moment, I believe the saints are singing with us. And when we come forward and have a little bit of bread and a little bit of, of juice, something so ordinary becomes extraordinary, and we're reminded that we are not alone. So, friends, as you prepare your hearts for communion now, as we come forward to feast at this table, we are joined by God. We are joined by the saints. They are here. God is here. And we are never, ever alone. Amen.